I want your music. I need your music. I think I mentioned it last week, but I'm starting a new podcast with my friend Devin, all about movies, where we're just going to pick a couple movies and chat about them, and it's going to be really funny. We've already recorded a few episodes, and I'm, I'm pr- pretty stoked on it. Um, but we need a theme song, uh, and I want someone out there to make the theme song. So, open submissions. Um, send them in soon. Send them to podmodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you know, keep them short and sweet. Keep them lively. Um, but other than that, I've got no real direction. The, the, the show is called All Detours Are Welcome. Let's hear what you got. Thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody who supports me on Patreon. I really appreciate it. If you would like to help keep the show going, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash podular modcast. Also, thank you to everybody who picked up my new album um, on on Self-Center Records and some of the paintings. There are a few of the paintings left. Um, yeah, there are about four paintings left. So I really appreciate those of you who picked one up already. And uh, yeah, they're pretty cool. I'm very proud of them and I'm already working on more. I would also like to say thank you to Patchworks, our lovely synth shop here in the Pacific Northwest. I've got so much gear sitting right in front of me that came directly from Patchworks. They're great people. It's a great shop. They have great, great live events and uh, an amazing website, patchworks.com, P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S.com for all of your synthesizer needs. Welcome back to Podular Modcast. My name is Tim, and this week I'm very excited to bring you a chat I had with Heather Stebbins, who is an assistant professor of music at George Washington University. Um, and we're going to talk about her uh, her coursework, her curriculum that she got to build, and the budget she got to use to buy modules. I mean, that's kind of a dream, right? Um, and we also talk about her own music that she makes. Uh, she has a really great album out, and I will have the link to everything regarding Heather's work in the show description. And before we get into our talk, you know, I always got some business to take care of. And my first order of business is to just a big, warm, warm thank you to everybody who picked up my new album. Um, I think I called it Sea Lions Train Spa. It's three tracks. It is... A little less than an hour long and I'm 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 really happy with it. It's kind of the the direction I want to go musically, this kind of mixing field recording in with with playing music around it or just using nothing but sounds out in the world to create um, I don't know, a sonic swath. I wouldn't really call it a, a, a piece of music, but um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Something else that's been a lot of fun is, uh, as you know, I work with After Later Audio and uh, I get to make demo videos uh, and I get to make little Instagram videos. It's just really fun to be able to go through um, a modular manufacturer's uh, you know, collection of modules, their, their whole inventory and be like, hmm, what do I want to do? this week. So I put up some pretty cool short little videos on their Instagram page. So I'd really appreciate if you went and checked those out. Also, if there are any uh, modules from After Later that you would like to see me demo or uh, maybe address a specific thing about them, uh, that could be pretty fun. So yeah, um, go check out afterlateraudio.com. There's a lot of cool modules. The Carve and the Dirty Laundry, uh, I, I spend a lot of time with because 
don't know. I just think they're really great modules. What else is there to talk about? Oh, I know what I could talk about. The uh, the Podular Modcast vinyl that will be released by Mystery Circles very soon. We are going to be doing the digital pre-order April 1st. Podular Modcast and Friends. Basically, last year, I brought a bunch of my friends that I've made through this podcast. I invited them on the show and asked them to prepare a patch beforehand to walk us through. You may remember that. Um, So some of those tracks were actually made for this record. So side A is going to be some, uh, some of our favorite guests from Podular Modcast history uh, and their patch challenges. And then side B, I took all of those tracks and did what I do to most sounds with them. I ran them through my, my modular and did, I guess, remixes or reworks or reimagination, reimaginings, <laughs> reimaginations. Um, so the side B is just a continuous track of, um, of, of side A. Uh, and I think that's all I'm going to tell you about right now, because, I mean, you're going to see on Instagram um, who's involved and and more details on that soon. I will tell you this, though, all of the, the uh, proceeds and profits will be um, donated to charity. And I'm, I'm going to tell you all about what charity I chose and everything later, but I figured I would just give a little teaser here. Just enough information, hopefully, to get you excited, um, but enough to leave you curious. Are you supposed to uh, explain your your promotional techniques and your marketing techniques? I don't know, but that's just the kind of honesty that you get over here at Podular Modcast. Um, okay, all jokes aside, it was a really fun project. It's, it took way too long to finish because of vinyl factory stuff, um, which apparently I can blame Adele for. I don't know. I have no problems with Adele. Let's talk to Heather Stubbins. Heather. Yes. Thank, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Um, I'm trying to think of where to start, and I know I start a lot of conversations with that statement. Um, but I think I I was a, I became aware of you through POB probably Patrick mm-hmm. and um, and uh, uh, Modular on the Mall, and then started following you on Instagram and just really liked all your post a lot of really great patch videos and stuff and um and then i I, anytime i see somebody who is into modular who's also into academics i'm immediately like okay what's what's their deal and um i saw this uh, on your website you have all these articles and Mm -hmm. there's one in particular that i was very interested in um it was uh, i forgot the title of it but it's basically about um being in touch with your environment and 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 how important your environment and your community is um so i definitely want to talk about that i want to talk about your album you released in december um but could we just get to know you a little bit sure um so heather stebbins i'm based in the washington dc area where i teach at george washington university and have been teaching there only since spring of 2020 so um relatively new to the area, though I did grow up just outside of Baltimore, so mid-Atlantic region doesn't feel too different. Um, but, you know, came to electronic music in sort of my undergrad, um, interested in computer music composition, went to graduate school for composition where I was composing for acoustic ensembles, but often had an electronic component. Um, but really didn't find synthesis specifically, at least hardware synthesis, until um, 
February of 2021. So it's been about a year. Um, okay, I got it. Wow. I got it. Yeah, I got a no coast. And I mean, I have the I have the background in tech. So like approaching it from like a signal flow level wasn't too much of a challenge. Um, and it has been something I've wanted to get into. And I think like a lot of other folks, the pandemic was kind of an excuse to, mm-hmm. to, to follow some of those um, maybe things that we once didn't have time for. And for me, it was more about um, a way to engage with the performative aspect of music making that was was missing from my life, not just because of the pandemic, but also just, you know, spending the last 15 years writing music for other people. Mm-hmm. I do I do really like to work closely with performers, um, but I'm not performing myself. Um, mm-hmm. But my musical background is as a, as a performer. I, I grew up as a cellist and played guitar and like really crappy basement punk rock bands oh nice um, and and i really missed that and i just never had time to play because of you know work or family um and composing was my musical identity so between not being able to work with performers face to face and missing that and also feeling like i really miss playing an instrument um and getting back my cello chops was not something that was gonna happen super fast i thought yeah. you know what let's <laughs> Let's let's try some of the synthesis stuff that I keep seeing, and I think it was about this time um, uh, Make Noise was coming out with the Strega, and I somehow found like an ad for that. It's like, what is this thing? I, I need to have it, but I should probably learn some more about this before I dive into something <laughs> like that. So, got a No Coast followed by um, Sweetwater had a demo version of a Zero Control like for kind of cheap, and I was like, oh, I should get that. And then I got a Strega, um, and I said, I'm sticking, I'm sticking semi-modular. I don't need to fall down the rabbit hole. And that Famous lasted- last words. Right. That lasted till the summer um, for my birthday. My, my husband got me um, a module, and we started putting together a case, or I started putting together a case. And uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> it, it's a small case. It's full. I don't have huge plans for expansion, but that's kind of the quick, the quick story. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like how you said you don't have huge plans for expansion, but you also didn't plan on getting into any of this stuff. That, that is true. <laughs> um, I'm curious, because uh, coming, I mean, I, I imagine growing up as a cellist, from my experience talking to people who grow up playing some an instrument like that or like the French horn, a good friend of mine grew up playing, or, um, there's there's quite a quite a difference between um, approaches and even I mean it just seems like two totally different worlds coming from like classically trained musicians and then punk rock basement right. you know yeah um, basement punk rock so which was first and how did those diverge or or how intertwined are those or are they separate? Yeah, I mean, so the kind of classical repertoire was definitely first. I, I started playing cello at when I was six. I was very fortunate to have that opportunity. Yeah. Um, and kind of studied the traditional repertoire. But then started, like, in that time, as I got a little bit older, improvising with, um, you know, friends that had bands. And I was also learning guitar and playing there. So I wouldn't say that they were completely separate, but more like parallel tracks. And mm-hmm. I found that I felt most free and alive as a performer when I was improvising. And usually that improvisation was rooted in the technical skills that I gathered from 
studying cello kind of traditional repertoire but sonically was more related to what I was playing in like the punk rock bands like I really liked gritty sounds loud sounds um you know tension and release was a, a big thing in my you know sort of improvisation and rather than being um generated through like melodic or harmonic changes was more about like going from a really noise fast tension or fast texture rather to something more calm um so a lot of the same like kind of overarching principles were were there but like how I was getting to the musical end result was different whether it was like traditional repertoire versus you know adding more distortion (laughs) to my to my guitar yeah (laughs) that's cool that you were um that you kind of got into that like improv spirit young youngish or like yeah. young in your career or um because I feel like again with a lot of the people that I know who are classically trained um like my my good friends uh Steven who I now like he's he's my like writing partner we, we make music together he's an excellent pianist but when we first met he didn't know he didn't improvise and it was just never anything he thought about and yeah um uh, I mean that's a common yeah. totally sorry I didn't mean to cut you off there but no. that is that's like a story that you hear a lot from a lot of mm-hmm. classically trained people they don't they just don't improvise um and it's fine but I think for me like I, I think um it when I'm able to use performative skills to translate a musical idea that is in my head based on what other people are playing around me that's when I feel most musically alive rather than playing mm-hmm. what somebody else has kind of dictated for me um, and so, yeah, I sort of fell into it through um, playing and like, or, you know, being a, I was a session musician for a little bit on cello um, and playing with, you know, Baltimore area kind of pop punk, indie rock kind of bands in the early 2000s. But then when I got to college, I like played cello with our Bossa Nova ensemble and improvised uh-huh. with them. And like, it, you know, this, the spirit of improvisation, I was lucky to kind of practice that because it is a scary thing to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah. I think I, I take that into the, mo- to the modular performances, not that I've done a ton, but when I do, mm-hmm. I, I try to leave some of it open for improvisation. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, it's such a great instrument for that. Um, Oh, what was I going to say? Sorry, it's, it's early. Um, well, it's not that early. It's early for me. <laughs> I've been up for many hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you're in D.C. So I think you're three hours ahead of me. Um, yeah. What was I going to say? Gosh dang it. Um, good thing I, I can edit this. Wow, I'm really blanking. Improvisation. Something good. Yeah, it was improvisation. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, this is it. This is it. I'm curious. Was there... Um, was there any particular artist or type of music that you found that kind of burst your head open in this in this way uh, of like wanting like you've mentioned you like these harsher textures and stuff like that like that that seems to have to find you I feel like as a, as a person existing in the world like you know yeah I mean I remember like in high school listening to at the drive-in and the Mars Volta mm-hmm, and thinking mm-hmm. like holy shit what is this you know I haven't heard things sound like this and and then I guess when I started um working as a session musician realizing what you could do with sound in the studio I mean I had no previous experience with any sort of recording engineering or producing but once I did that I ran out and bought an mbox with 
you know, my, <laughs> my after school job money so I could start to figure out like, oh, what can you do with sound once it's digital? And was like, whoa, this is, this is what I want to do. Um, mm -hmm. so, so did you get into like, uh, just like soft synths and, or in like garage band or something or like, how did you start with that? Um, so not garage band in my freshman year at college, we were using a dog called digital performer, which is still around, uh, made by, uh, Motu, uh, the hardware uh -huh. company, but they have this, this software doll. Um, and I do remember using some soft synths in this. I had this, um, I'm blanking on what the title of the course was, but it was a course that I had to take in order to work for the recording studio on campus. So I signed up, you know, fall of my freshman year. And yes, we were we were programming a little bit with SoftSense, but the class was less about production and more about um, kind of more experimental techniques of using sound in a digital environment. Um, so there was, it was like combination synthesis and working with pre-recorded sounds and processing. So you kind of, you get inter introduced to the land landscape of, of the, of the DAW or, yeah. or, um, with a class that's like starting off with experimentation and not yes. just like fundamentals. That's pretty cool. It is cool. I think it's pretty unique and it's only because I went to a small liberal arts school that had a music program that I had, like I had, I was on a music scholarship, so I had to be a major to, to afford to go there, which, mm -hmm. um, at the time, like my freshman year, I almost left because I was like, this is not the place for me. Um, I was like a pre-med major and then I dropped it <laughs> and like, I ended up staying and I'm really glad that I did because even though I didn't go to like a fancy music school, or music engineering school, I, I think the education that I got and the experiences that were afforded to me was only possible because it was a small liberal arts program. Mm -hmm. And we, okay. we had a yearly electronic music festival. Um, my first year, the guest was Paul Lansky, who's like a pioneer in American electronic experimental music. And like to be, to go from thinking, oh, dead people write music. There's, there's nobody currently writing new music. <laughs> so like being, te teching a stage for a Paul Lansky portrait concert in, you know, a matter of a couple of months was a pretty radical That's shift like a crash for me. course, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, and then I'm sure like from there, it, they, like what you listened to fed what you wanted to do with it and what you did with it fed what you wanted to listen to. A hundred percent, yeah. Yeah. So electronically like electronic music wise who are who, who are some of the the artists that you maybe like are feel like that really inspire you to create yeah um definitely longtime favorite is fortet um kieran hebden yeah. um i've been listening to fortet since i was in high school it was probably one of the more first early experimental artists that i found kind of my on my own not not through a class at school mm -hmm. um and still listen to his his music till today and i think mm -hmm. he is somebody i admire for incorporating samples with synthesized material in a way that is on the fringe of mainstream like people can dance to it you know and like go to a party and listen to it but it, he also has these moments that are um just like really unique i think um and his longevity kind of speaks to that yeah, yeah. Um, I like I like that every Fortet album is clearly a Fortet album, but seems to also stand on its own in a way. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what What's the most recent one? I really like that. I was listening. To, well, I guess it was like 2020, but I was listening to that a lot in the um, when my wife and I went to Yellowstone for our 
our anniversary trip and that was oh that's that's an awesome anniversary trip (laughs) yeah it was so cool i recorded a bunch of uh performances out there with my battery powered synth it was oh that's awesome it was was super fun um yeah anybody else that that you like really gets in your I mean, this is kind of cliche, but another early one was um, the Brian Eno ambient series. Um, those those were pretty huge. Like, again, high school sort of found, um, I remember finding Ambient One and On Land and mm-hmm. thinking like... Oh, On Land is so weird and it's, awesome. It's so weird and awesome, yeah. And I remember the first time I was listening to it, I was like, wow, it really sounds like the music's underwater. And then I realized that somebody I was listening to it with was like, you know, the title is on land. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sounds, sounds underwater to me. I uh, still remember that. Yeah. I mean, there's, I, there's a lot of Brian, you know, that I really don't like, I think it sounds very dated and that's not his fault, but like, I think it's a factor of the, the technology mm-hmm. that was available mm-hmm. at the time. Okay. But I do think like ambient one kind of transcends time. Like it yeah. doesn't, you know, um, so that's yeah yeah i feel that way about discrete music and as a cellist i was curious if you if you liked that one in particular or didn't like that one in particular yeah no i i don't feel like i have a different relationship with it because of my instrument i i think i guess more the b-side not the actual discrete yeah music track, yeah all the, like all the canon reimaginings or whatever yeah no i find it um it's funny when my older son was having trouble sleeping we would often put on um brian you know to, to the point where like now if we turn it on they know it they know it's time to go to bed <laughs> and i think a lot of a lot of the reason it's i mean yes like timbrely it's you know very calm but also the repetition and like you mm-hmm. know the, the canon features that that's kind mm-hmm. of hyp- hypnotic in a way that was very different from either the traditional repertoire I was playing on my cello or the, you know, like indie rock bands I was listening to there, you know, where songs are, if it's five minutes, well, it's a longer track. So yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's so different. funny. Like going back and listening to every once in a while, I'll have like nostalgia bursts where I'll mm-hmm. listen to something that I listened to 10 years ago, quite like for a week or something. And there have been times where I'm like, oh yeah, this is that really long song. And then I'll look at it, and it's seven minutes long, and I'm like, "Oh no, this is a short yeah. thing." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your sense. I, mean, I think that's what's so uh, so fascinating with music is just how it can completely manipulate your sense of time. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, let's see if I can I can shoehorn this segue, but like, not just music, but also just sound in general, like shaping your sense of time and then also how you're listening and what you're choosing to listen to in your environment also just really shapes your perception of this physical environment that you're in. Like I just moved to a new city, um, Mm -hmm. bought a house and now I'm getting to know my neighborhood and it's one thing to get to know it from the car and looking around, but I carry a field recorder now and do kind of the same walk and I'm getting to know all these little tiny pockets of this walk that have these specific kind of sound qualities and Mm -hmm. it's just I don't know it's really uh it's really fun yeah and I think it's a way that we don't engage with our environments in that way very often you know we're either laser focused on what we the next thing that we need to get to or 
um, you know, something that's going on on a screen that we might have with us, or we're listening in headphones to, mm-hmm. to the other music. And I'm definitely guilty of that. I, I remember I was one of the few people on my college campus. I would, I would carry around my my, uh, my disc man, and well, I guess it, well, I guess it wasn't a disc man. Sorry, it was an iPad. It was an iPod at that time, um, at least. But I, I would tune out the environment so that I, and partially so I didn't have to talk to people. I, mm-hmm. I, I did not love my university in the first year. I felt very different from the rest of the students. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, I think. Um, I think it's an important way to engage with our environments and one that is not often taught or modeled mm-hmm. very well. Yeah. 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 And reading your, your article um, about, you know, going to all those different, it was like a day long excursion mm-hmm. out to uh, like these places in Estonia mm-hmm. and all these different sounds and, and everything um, that reminded me a lot, like just like the way you framed that, that piece and the, and what you were talking about of a book that I just recently read called How to Do Nothing by Jenny O'Dell. Yeah, you know I read that. Book? I do. It's on my shelf. It, um, I read it. I think it came out in maybe late 2019. I remember reading it right before the pandemic and thinking like, okay. well, shit, now I have nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, excuse my language. Sorry. Oh, no, we, um, we can. Yeah. It up here. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I think uh, so. It, it's really funny that um, I don't know for for lack of a, a I don't know I have a cheesy phrase but sometimes the universe just kind of like lays stuff out in an interesting way you know like I've I've been s- slowly getting more and more into field recording and you know of course Pauline Oliveros deep mm-hmm. listening and I got to a point at my old apartment it was just so loud there were so many so many noises in that place um that it became kind of like a mute a, a piece not music but I I would listen to it Mm-hmm. as if I was listening to an, an album or something and became, became to really like it. Um, and then uh, I start getting into this, you know, uh, trying to understand what social media is doing to our brains and try to understand like how I can still continue to use it in a way that's beneficial, but yeah. separate myself from <laughs> it. Um, and then I read this book and it's kind of a mashup of all this stuff Um that that's been in my head and then I, I I got onto your website and saw like what you were writing about and it's just it's funny how those things kind of start to find you when mm-hmm. you're like getting in tune with them right so, yeah I mean it it's it's I guess a cheesy statement but I think things are cheesy because they're often right, right. <laughs> you know or it's it's a stereotype because it's right yeah mm-hmm. no I totally I totally get that um yeah, I, I, you've, you've made me want to re, like, pick up that book again. I, I was reading it, um, if I remember when I read it uh, correctly, it was shortly after my second son was born, and, like, I was in this, like, oh, I have so much to do to take care of him, but I'm not working, so, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. you know, and how we, how we value our time and our self-worth is often, um, uh, uh, you know, completely via the the salaried work that we have and so Mm -hmm. that's that's tough to grapple with but I remember reading this and thinking like yeah this this is really speaking to me and then everything shut down (laughs) (laughs) right yeah yeah did you get a little loop and start looking at plants with the uh uh, yeah we we did a lot of hiking did a lot of bird watching some in the early days yep um and I mean as you know I, I often like feel guilty finding positives in the pandemic, but I'm sort of letting that go. And I think it did slow us down in a really positive way, at least mm-hmm. me, my family level. Yes. But I think even globally, like I remember an appointment with 
our pediatrician and her saying like, I really hope one of the things that happens when we come out of this is just everybody slows down a little bit. And <laughs> just thinking I, I completely agree with that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, that's, that seems like that's part of that, the message of that book as well is just, um, yeah, it, I don't know. It, it, just this loot, this we're, we're losing, we're losing something. Um, and I feel like I'm gaining some of it back through field recording and mm -hmm. deep listening. Um, and, and really, uh, like collaborating with my, my natural environment and using it, using it as a muse almost. Um, mm -hmm. um, so we've talked about this article a little bit. Can you kind of outline it for the listener who hasn't read it and, um, just give us the, the elevator yeah. pitch, I guess. <laughs> Well, wow, at this point, I wrote it almost eight years ago. Um, oh, okay. But I was, uh, I had a, the opportunity to live and study in Estonia um, in the 2014-2015 academic year um, on a Fulbright scholarship. And I was working primarily with a composer. Her name is Helena Tolva. Um, and through that, I had the opportunity to write these blog posts for um like a contemporary music zine called New Music Box. And in this article, it was the second article, I'm sort of outlining both Tulva's kind of relationship with nature, but also talking about some experiences I had while I was living in the country. Um, and I was taking a, or involved in a course through her where we got to travel to all these different um, environments and go on sound walks or work with other musicians um, or in, one case we were working with um, a biologist and field recordist um, who you know brought all of his gear and you know we put hydrophones in the bogs that they, that are so um, just pervasive in Estonia and listening to the underwater creatures and um, it, I mean it's just an incredible experience and I think I, I wonder if the fact that that the, the people of that country I mean not to stereotype too much they they just seem to exist on a much slower time scale than anything I experienced um, here in the States. Um, and there is a lot more just like deep listening, I think practices um, embedded into the culture um, and a lot more silence. Like uh, I remember before I moved over there, um, somebody told me like, don't be offended if they don't do a lot of talking or, you know, it takes forever to respond to an email. Like it's just, there's a lot more listening maybe than active communication and I, I hope I'm not I'm over generalizing a lot of course but that that mm. was the sort of big takeaway I I didn't I was very quiet while I was there partially because I was living alone for the first time in a long time um, I left my husband in the states for, for a long <laughs> for a long part of it um, and I would just go out into the countryside and go for walks by myself and it was awesome but yeah that sounds amazing yeah but not something that that we I mean maybe now we do more but wasn't something I was doing regularly, you know, mm -hmm. in Boston. Like that, <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, yeah. That, that kind of thing, that kind of experience and being that close to nature and being able to go out and to take these long walks. It's like every time I'm in a, a situation like that, I'm like, why don't I make my, like, why don't I set up my life to where this is like an everyday thing? You mm -hmm. know? And when you're there, you're just like, this is, this is so much better. Uh, and then you kind of forget and you get to go back and, and, like oh yeah this is awesome out here um, yeah I don't know and I often battle with this idea of um is it is it better to you know to have it and miss it 
and then be able to go back to it than, you know, like moving and becoming some uh, homesteader or something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is, that is, that is, that is it, right? I mean, I got this job at GW. Um, we moved from a city, Boston, to another city. Um, and it was like, we wanted to live somewhere where I can access the city, but I can also, we can also get out and like, you know, mm-hmm. be a little, which I think it's, it's sort of the best of both worlds, right? We have the, um, the things like for, for the kids, at least trying to find a place where they won't be bored, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, cause boredom, boredom breeds trouble. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's a good mix. I'm definitely not doing enough of it now that like life has kind of opened back up and people are back in person that it's harder to take those long afternoon hikes that we were doing in the early part of the pandemic. Yeah. Are you recording great tracks but struggling to take them to the finish line? Maybe you've worked with engineers before, but they didn't get it. Well, Hugo Paris offers custom tailored mixes and production for modular and synth artists. With a master's degree specializing in the physics of sound, specifically acoustics and signal processing, you can bet your bottom dollar you're in good hands. But you don't have to take my word for it. You can head over to tinycrushmixing.com and uh, see all the rave reviews. Um, there's there's a bunch of testimonials, so you can see people that are very very happy with with Hugo's work. Um, and he's just he's he's got uncompromising quality. He gets a deep low end warmth and clarity without sounding sterile or overproduced, which I think that is um, of the utmost importance when we're talking about electronic music. You know, I feel like you can really squash things. And you can you can just overdo it and it's so hard to tell when you're over or underdoing it when you're the one making the tracks so why not get your tracks in the hands of a master a literal master he has a master's degree that means he can say he's a master at this can you well if you can then maybe you don't need this service but this ad isn't for you tinycrushmixing.com your kids into music in any way yeah i mean so they're six and two my six-year-old i mean they both love to listen to music and they listen mm. to some wacky stuff like not <laughs> not not kids music thankfully um they, i mean they do request brian you know sometimes they love fortet uh-huh. uh so i guess i i've i've manipulated them enough big big kate bush fans too oh cool um yeah uh my six-year-old plays the viola which is cool but and, the, oh, wow. and they're they're super into well the six-year-old is very like into the synths both from like a sound perspective but also like a couple of the modules i have were diy like mutable instrument clones kits mm-hmm. and so he helped build my version of rings yeah um yeah so i mean he's just like he's just like interested in it but not not like he's not making music or anything with it sometimes we'll set him up like with an open session of uh ableton and he kind of goes but have you seen the blip blocks yes in fact i um we were thinking about getting it for him as a gift but then it was like that's not cheap and I don't know. You'll end up, I, you'll end up using it. You you'll think? Like, I know. You, so I've had. I, I had. I had one. I ended up giving it to my nephews because I really wanted them to get into it. Mm-hmm. When I well, every time I've brought it to like, because I, I had. I gave one to my um, like one set of uh, nieces and nephews and, and one to the other. Um, and every time I brought it to these these events, because I wanted them to see it and play with it before I gave it to them because uh-huh. it is kind of expensive and. Um, 
but the, of course the kids loved it but the adults i would see like adults sitting there playing with it and they would end up playing with it just as long really it, it's, a, it's a real synth and it has like real signal flow so it would be a good way for um somebody to start to learn those concepts and how it works and stuff oh that's that's awesome to hear i wondered yeah. how if it's so, if it sounded any good but sounds it has a lot of different sounds in it mm -hmm. um, it can sound pretty pretty well i mean it's it's i think it's very well designed for it's 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 pretty cool um but I, yeah i imagine as a as a six-year-old all the knobs and blinking lights and yeah stuff has to be pretty enticing <laughs> yes um i think i scared him though about like power supply stuff like oh, enough, right, yeah. i mean not scared him but like you know he knows like oh we can't plug this in the wrong way my case had some open space in it for a little while so i think that made him nervous but now it's all full um <laughs> so, so yeah it's it's but it's, it does stay in my office and yeah yeah <laughs> So what are you teaching at George Washington? So I am there as a full-time faculty member. I'm like the person that does all the music tech stuff. Um, oh, cool. So prior to me getting there, I think they, they had somebody part-time teaching a class or two, but it was not really um, that fleshed out in terms of curriculum. So I've basically designed all the courses that, that I get to teach, which is, I love. That's I, so I, cool. Yeah, I love curriculum design. And I think the fact that I can teach what I want, I'm very lucky. Mm -hmm. um, so they're mostly hands-on studio courses. I have like an intro to, I call it intro to digital musicianship, where they learn basics of acoustics and psychoacoustics um, and digital audio with using Ableton as our DAW. And then more advanced courses in our, like we have a separate studio. And this semester I'm teaching my first synthesis class. Um, I got a grant to buy some hardware for the students. So it's been really, really fun and exciting. How fun is it to spend grant money on sets? I know, I oh know. Oh my God. And I did not think I was going to get it, um, but I think it's very novel and I'm sure whoever, thank you to whomever was reading it. I don't know which, um, which of my colleagues was the person who gave it the green light, but they gave it the green light and uh, gave me all the, every dollar I asked for. What did um, you end up getting? Oh boy. So I got, um, I got the, uh, a Moog Sound Studio of the Mother and the D-Fam. Um, I got a Micro Freak by Arturia. So I, um, we had a Micro Brute in the studio when I got there. Um, so there was something with keyboard control. Mm. Um, I put, I got a couple Korg Volkas. Um, I did get a No Coast and a Zero Control. And then I put together um, a little fully modular rig that has okay, cool. all the favorites in it. Yep. I'm, well, that's great. Like it's a nice like step from like desktop to semi-modular to full modular and like in a way that you can integrate everything if you wanted. Totally. And actually, Patrick just came to our class a couple couple weeks ago. Um, came oh, in very and, cool. Yeah. So um, it's been really fun. And the students are making ridiculously good stuff. Like, I, I mean, I'm just so impressed um, and really excited because I think it opens up music making to students who might not have the background in traditional Western classical music or notation, mm -hmm. where you know if you're going to school and you want to generate music, usually you have to notate it. Whereas with synthesis, you just you don't you don't need that background. Um, you know, some mu some musical training helps in terms of like the vocabulary, but I I try to stick away to f from like traditional vocab words as much as possible. Okay. Okay. So, um, so so like, can you just explain the kind of the structure of the class and the coursework and test and you know yes um, 
evaluation so that class, or whatever. Totally. That that class is, is new. It's um, newest of this semester. So there's things I want to tweak, but um, they have three sort of like major assignments throughout the, the term that are, I call them patch presentations. And so for the first one, they had to pick a piece of gear of their choice um, and generate a patch that generated timbral change without them turning any knobs. So they had to figure out how to create a patch that made, you know, using whatever, you know, made the timbre change over time. And then the second one, similar concept, use a piece of gear, but also incorporate, um, we were learning some more advanced soft synth techniques in Ableton. And this time their patch had to, they had to start thinking musically since they had kind of gotten through the technical stuff. Um, and this was this one they just presented last week, and I was just so impressed with some of the stuff that they did. You know, really like minute long, but still. Do they do um, performances, or do they submit like a piece of music recorded? Uh, they do performances in the class. So part of it is they have to generate a patch sheet so that somebody else could recreate the patch, but they have to regenerate the patch in class present it for their peers and then talk about the process. Wow. Um, yeah. And, and we will have two concerts at the end of term where we were taking over our like campus quad and bringing the synths outside one day to scare away all the other. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm super excited. It's going to be modular fun. on the quad. You could say the whole new Oh thing. man. Oh geez. <laughs> that, that is good. You, you need to, you need to jump no, on No, it's that. yours. That's all yours. I feel like that's perfect for you. You're, oh um, yeah. I've got to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had another question about the coursework. Um, well, yeah, so are like, does Ableton give the school uh, like a license so they can all get it on their laptops or something like a student version or something? Um, so yes and no. So we did. Um, Ableton has been amazing. Like I switched the the school had a license to Logic, but then when we went virtual, I was like, I can't teach Logic. It's you know not cross platform. And Ableton, um, you might be aware of this, but they have ridiculously good free trials of Suite, the full version mm -hmm. right now, um, which is not, it's 90 days for anybody, but for students, if they're enrolled in a class that is using it, they can um, extend their trial for basically the whole semester. So when we were virtual, I was having students do that. They would install live as a trial um, and it would last them the whole term. Um, now they have the option to do that, but we have it installed in our studio space. And then I have another classroom that's a lab with 16 stations that okay, I'll have okay. live installed. So they can, they can do it that way too. And can they, uh, like get access to the lab? Like, do the, is there like lab time for them to kind of go in on their own and, and do stuff? Yeah. Like yeah. Classroom? I mean, it's, it's like a secure room and that only students in my class have access to it mm -hmm. um and they i mean as long as the building's open they have access to it so i'm so happy like that room i don't think was used all that much in the past and now it's just it's busy people mm -hmm. are in there patching working on stuff for class or i've had a lot of students just generating just having fun and generating so music cool. yeah so i'm super excited to see where it goes uh, i'm thinking back to like my my college days and that would have been that would have been pretty awesome, but I was hanging out with chimpanzees instead. <laughs> that, that's awesome too. I mean, it was I pretty cool. <laughs> that's yeah, and I, I will say, like, my education was all software based. I all of like the gear stuff. I mean, like, I I felt confident setting up like a recording session and sort of more of like the recording aspects of things, but I didn't have access to hardware synthesizers ever, and I think. 
now one of the things I'm trying to do is like have students feel more confident with hardware. I think there is a level of, um, not anxiety, but like it, it seems scarier <laughs> to, 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 to set things up on hardware than it does. Like I have them do some patching in BCB yeah. to practice and that feels much more tame. Um, but I think having access to the, to the knobs and the sliders is really important. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if this is like a generational thing, but I am, I'm like, I, I don't really use, well, I don't use any soft sense anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just use plugins, basically like EQ and compression and limiting. That's like yeah. kind of all I use. Um, because I, I don't know. I just, I really love the tactile. I like, I like the design. I like having these cool, like, it's not just about, you know, the sounds and the, the feel. It's also, it's a combination. The interface is huge, mm-hmm. but also like, especially in modular, like you get to see these, these brilliant modular manufacturers brains oh i know pieces of art that make art yeah and it's been really fascinating to see and i've experienced this myself as well like which brands certain students gravitate towards like i have mm-hmm. some students who have fallen in love with the the mother the moog mother and dfam combination and other students who like do not like it at all mm-hmm. um and prefer you know the arturia stuff and i do think that design does play a really vital role in the creative process and what oh. you're sort of attracted to. Yeah, I want to be invited to play something. Like it's funny that I feel like make noise is is like a real like um what's the word like people it's like a love yes. people love yeah. the the interface and for me when when I talk to somebody who doesn't like the interface everything they don't like about it and don't understand about it or don't think makes sense I'm like that's what makes sense to me and that's what I yes. like <laughs> yeah I am I'm a big make noise fangirl um so I and I'm the, it's the same thing where like students are really freaked out by the no coast and I get it the interface like if you compare it to the micro brute that we have it is not clearly labeled and mm-hmm. you aren't sure what twisting that knob is going to do but for me that's what's so exciting yeah and then and then when you do get it it's like it's like the best feeling in the world when you finally do I, understand it. I, I feel like looking at make noise stuff for me is like the way like the it's, it's like explained on the like it, it, I feel like I'm looking at uh, like cave cave art or something. Yeah. That's like Rude, explaining ancient something runes. to me. Yeah. yeah. Which but it, it actually clicks with me. I, I really like it. Um, yeah. I have the same same response like strega when i first got it i was like oh i'm never gonna use this and now (laughs) i use it all the time and it's my primary like performance vehicle when i've played Mm -hmm. live it's i it's all with strega nice i think a really cool uh thing that would probably be awesome for your classes if you're looking for more stuff is the bastel casper 2 yeah this thing or the soft sorry the casper bastel soft pop 2 soft pop Uh, okay the soft pop too yeah and you can power it with uh with a uh usb battery it's oh, nice. modular it has a digital sequencer on it but an analog uh analog voice and like if you look on the back here mm-hmm. the, the user manual is printed oh, on the case that is awesome yeah it's really really cool it's it's super powerful too um and that's another thing that's just so exciting about this like modular taking off and just the innovation that mm-hmm. that just keeps happening and um 
Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's not a pyramid scheme, but we are getting in on the ground floor, it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, I don't know, this is not really the ground floor, but it does still feel like things are small enough that, you know, if you have a problem, you reach out to the company and you get a really, like, personalized response from customer service or, you know, mm-hmm. there's, I don't know, like, it's been, it's been really fun and interesting to work with some of these companies and, like, talk to them like they're people. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is really cool to to see it happen and be part of it to just to witness this kind of uh boutique um this boutique thing happening in in a country that's just really really uh what's in the quagmire of late stage capitalism yeah (laughs) exactly like seeing small companies able to make it against these behemoths um i am though also very cognizant of how expensive it is and i do feel a little guilty like introducing students to this that you know then they say i want to build out a rig and the price tag is as high as it is um yeah yeah i mean as a college student uh you know of a, a make noise, you know, the mic, my make noise case, which is the, the seven U, you know, mm-hmm. it's not like a giant synth, right. but at, at a college age, that's more than your car costs. Totally. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so I do, I do keep that in mind and, you know, we talk about it a lot and sort of the, the how to if you really want to do this you know how to make it a little bit more affordable but also thinking about you know who has access and who doesn't um Mm -hmm. to these technologies and so i mean i'm not saying like you shouldn't play but i think it's important to be mindful yeah that's something that i've i've uh i've thought about a lot because i i I, you lived in this you know the, the neighborhood that i lived in in seattle before we moved was you know kind of a um not one of the rich neighborhoods in Seattle mm-hmm. and I wanted to maybe try to like introduce some of the the kids you know have like a open like synth thing for for kids for parents to bring their kids to and explore but then I was also like oh I'm gonna show them something that like their parents can't afford to get them like I, I don't know it's it's tricky I mean I I completely get what you're saying and I've thought about stuff like that too but you know places are I I would love to eventually figure out a way to start like a synth lending library I was DC. thinking that too. Yeah. That's I would like to do that in my my neighborhood as well. I've I've thought I don't know. I feel like it would it would be it would take a, a level of planning and execution that I don't know that I'm capable of. Yeah. Yeah, right. It's it's like that's a great idea. Now how do I make it happen? Yeah. But it's it's something that I really want to do and I think I've been shocked to find as many interesting or well, not in, but like in this world, kind of in the modular world, um, interesting people and like people with their hearts in the right places just here in, in this new city to me. I was not expecting it. Um, so that's been really, really awesome. And I think I think there's there's ways to make it happen when it's like there, a group yeah, effort. Certainly. Yeah. yeah. I was actually thinking about like trying to uh, like make a presentation on how you could get into this in an mm-hmm. affordable way. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, patience is the name of the game, which, yeah. which is very hard when you get into modular because that very gas hard. kicks in. Right. Um, but, you know, there's, I also like that a lot of these companies, well, it's like not to like be total make noise fan people this whole episode, but I like that make noise has, you know, the shared system, which is a mm-hmm. $5,000 synthesizer. Right. Or you can get 
like a no coast for I think it's you know five hundred bucks, right? And that is a lot of money, but it's not unattainable with a summer job or something, you know. Right. Or, or, you know, you may have to save up for, you know, a year for it, but right, it, it can't like, I don't know. And I feel like if, man, I'm getting old, but like you know, if you're younger and you really have to work to get the thing that you really want, then you appreciate it more and maybe spend oh, more yeah. time with it. And, oh, a hundred percent. I mean, that was when I think back to like my jobs in high school, all that money went to gear or CDs and you yeah. definitely, you know, you, you appreciate things more when you have to save up for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I, I got a couple of Volcas for the studio. They're pretty inexpensive and students oh, yeah. have liked them. Yeah. They're, that's a great little, I mean, they're not, I wouldn't call them as powerful in terms of what they can do as like a no coast, but you know, the, the, the Volca drum makes some sweet beats yeah, <laughs> like it, yeah. for, two, for 200 bucks or under 200 bucks. So, yeah, I had the the beats for a long time, and that was I I got a lot of mileage out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's funny to think of, I I was I was super poor when I got into it, so I just bought a lot of used old gear. Right, and, you know, you just kind of start trading up and right. kind of like that turn that turn a dollar into twenty dollars into a hundred percent, and it does make you research what's out there. Like I think that's another barrier for entry is like even knowing where to start. And I think mm-hmm. if you have that limitation, maybe and like really have to think about where am I going to put this money, mm-hmm. you'll hopefully look into what your options are with with a bit of depth. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like I could just sit here and and pick your brain about teaching um, this stuff. I, I have an academic background. I haven't been in academia for years, mm-hmm. but I did grad school and was, um, I was a, I taught basically the discussion sections of a class for, for a couple of years. Um, and I just, I, I like, I like hearing academic stuff, but about the thing that I'm currently into. It's kind of a cool. Yeah, thing. I'm definitely, I'm, I just feel super lucky that I get to, this is my day job and, you know, I get to plan curriculum and then carry it out, see student response, and then hear the work that, and you know, students are giving me ideas now. It's just, it's really fulfilling. And that's so I def- cool. definitely wake up feeling lucky basically yeah. every day. <laughs> so, so when you, one more question about the curriculum, cause I want yeah. curriculum, cause I want to talk about your album here. Um, but when you like, so you getting to build it, do you, you have to like build out and flesh out a course and then do you have to like submit that to some sort of board for approval? How does that work? I mean, from like a, there is like a submission process, but it's like, is your syllabus following the correct template? There's nobody, there's no, cause we, we're not like accredited by um, like the National Alliance of Music Schools or anything, which is a good thing. Um, so no, there's no external board. I mean, you know, there's the, um, like I do get course evaluations and I have had like uh, colleagues, you know, do what's why I'm blanking on the word but they evaluate the course they they sit Mm -hmm. in um but no I mean as long as the course continues to fill and I get strong response and like my students are presenting work on um we have this program called Fridays at five where like performance students will if they're working on a piece they'll come and they'll play it in like a casual environment and now my students are presenting work that they're working on and that's very new it's it's usually very traditional repertoire and I think we're starting to get out that this option is here you know I'm still pretty new and the pandemic made made it hard because we were virtual for over a year but I think as long as as long as there's student interest I'll keep teaching it and 
I I definitely update my curriculum every semester. I don't like I have to for myself yeah. and for the students. So it, it's they're living documents and they'll keep changing based on what I learn and, and how the students respond. That's cool because like you're you're also like you're learning so much, you know, yeah. you, of course you're teaching, like you're just going to get better and better and better. Like that's well, and I, yeah. And I, I definitely had a lot of imposter syndrome on the synth course because it was like, I only started really doing this, you know, in February of last year. Uh-huh. So <laughs> now I'm teaching, uh, but, but I mean, it's not like, I don't teach, like, it's not like a, a micro freak course or a Moog course, you know, like it's a synthesis course and those mm-hmm. foundational concepts, like, aren't going to change like right. subtractive synthesis is like I know what this stuff is now I've just been putting it into practice for my own music making for less than a year that's or I guess now it's been a year but um no I mean from like a tech standpoint I have the background and I have like the musical background I mean I listen to all of these you know mm-hmm. early pioneers um as part of my education so I I got over there. I tried to get yeah. over the imposter syndrome quickly, <laughs> but yeah, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of learning on the fly. Yeah, well, at least you're not being like a, a Dunning Kruger about it, right? Just going. Mm-mm. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, let's talk about your um, album. I forgot how to pronounce. Is it? All, I mean, so Alney or Alney. Um, it's the it was the name of my grandparents' house. They lived okay. in a very old farmhouse, and um, I lived there for a little while and lived next door to it for the remainder of my life. Um, so it's an important place to me. Okay. But, yeah. The album has uh, such a great palette of sonic textures that really rides perfectly that line of kind of what you were talking about when we first started talking that kind of noise or you know like yeah just kind of I don't know it's it's, it sounds like there's a like a sweet tension to a lot Mm -hmm. of it that I really really like so can we talk about when that was made how and why yeah um so I mean when I first started playing with the no coast and like learning trying to learn synthesis I realized I was only going to learn it if I kind of went at it with the same um work ethic as I did like when I was practicing my cello decades ago and so but it was a little harder with kids and a job so basically a couple nights a week I would I would go to try to learn something and I started very early on recording all those sessions um, and it was so bad in the beginning. I mean, I have <laughs> like, I, I'm one day I'll show people those early, early Ableton sets, but it is, it is so bad. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I kept at it partially because it's like, well, I spent money on this. I, <laughs> I better use the thing. Um, and yeah, it just started to get better. Like when I felt like I was in more control over the techniques, I, I started having more control over like what I wanted to do musically. Um, and so that entire album minus one piece on it, uh, or one track on it was made in these like learning sessions. Um, and with a lot of them, it felt like accidents. I mean, I remember patching oh, yeah. Yeah. one of them and, um, my husband had the kids out at, uh, our in-laws and I was just home. I couldn't go cause I had like a work thing. And then I, I patched the thing. I was like, Oh my God, this is so good. Like how, how did I do this? I don't know. I'm just going to let it record for a, a couple hours and then edit it. And I mean, that's, that's the majority of it. Um, 
most of, like most of the longer tracks were made with the Make Noise desktop trio with Striga, No Coast, and Zero Control. And then I started once I started building out the modular rig. Um, like I started incorporating. I I got. Um, Tip Top's Forbidden Planet is my first filter and started, you know, spreading things through that. Um, and then once I got Morphogene, that's, like, I think at my core, like, sample-based, like, granular synthesis is probably what I gravitate towards the most. Um, and once I, once I got a handle on Morphogene, like, that kind of became the the heart of everything, um, every patch I made. Yeah. Same here. Uh, yeah. in, uh, our bar, our bar and Mor- Morphogene are just stacked on top of each other. Right? Really? So, See, yeah. so you don't think it's overkill to have both? No, I think they're just so different. I've never played with our bar, but I've had a lot of people say, shoot, now I need a bigger case, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, uh, you can blame me if you want, but I think that was inevitable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I so I have an Arturia Rack Brute, the 6U, oh, and cool. I have yeah. I have thought I could get the 3U, and then maybe there's a couple. I don't know. You the IntelliGel 4U palette, or, yeah, like those are really great because they have all the different... Um, you know, ways to interface with the outside world and mm-hmm. uh, the one use I, and the one you stuff. I've like, I, like again, I I feel like I got some of the stuff I got before I really knew enough. I do wish I had started with a something with a one U option because those are so so efficient. And there's getting like there's just so much more in the one U market um, now than ever before. It seems like it's more and more is coming out and. Um, yeah, there's the, there's going to be more uh, shameless plug, but I work for them. So uh, mm-hmm. after later audio, we we have some we have a lot of cool when you stuff and more to come. So awesome! I will definitely check that out. Uh, I like also that the this your album it doesn't I does I don't think it sounds like anything that I've done, but it remind it reminds me of maybe this is why I liked it so much because I'm a narcissist or something. But <laughs> I, it, it kind of reminds if it, it reminds me of of something I would do in that there's kind of like shorter songs, especially yeah. for this, which I really like because I don't, I, I think some patches you build and you're like, well, it doesn't do much, but it's really good. I can't listen to it for more than a few minutes, but it's like, okay, well then that's what I liked finding those patches and have those serve a purpose. Cause it's, I think very effective. Short and sweet is really, yes. Um, yeah. And it's, that's definitely something I was like aware of when I was making it. And partially it was out of not knowing what to do next. Cause I still didn't feel like I had enough control over the mm-hmm. gear. And I, I do worry, like when I've performed live, um, I, there's, I have a lot of things going on. I do a lot of live patching, but when I'm recording stuff for, um, to, you know, for eventual releases, uh, I, I do think sometimes my sense of time is skewed. And I talk to my students about this a lot too. Like you get very, at least I get very tired of my own stuff, you know, listening mm-hmm. to it over and over. And for an outside listener, you know, it needs to breathe a little bit more. So yeah. I remember sending an early draft of the album to a very dear friend of mine and, um, musician that I trust a lot and her main feedback was like oh, I wanted this to last longer I like, but I can't make it last longer because the patch exactly. is gone <laughs> yep I have an album my album music to come down to is ex- like my friends it's 33 minutes long and mm-hmm. they're like it needs to be an hour long and I was like but these cool patches that are like these cool songs that are three minutes long if they were six minutes long it would basically just be like listening to it twice in twice a yes exactly <laughs> exactly yeah. Also, there's something too. If I think if 
something that draws me to shorter songs and I, you know growing up also like into punk rock mm -hmm. um you know like 80s socal stuff descendants you know with mm -hmm. 59 second songs um if you can make a really really compelling catchy or, or you know fun to listen to track that's two minutes long you if you leave people wanting more and they actually listen to it they will come back to it totally want to come back to listening to it so i think there's there's a certain power to that mm -hmm. being super concise with with an idea yeah i mean i completely agree with that and you know i think it's sometimes even harder to like f make something short that feels finished which yes. i'm not convinced i did it with the first album but it's something that you know i'm striving for mm-hmm I mean, it's, it sounds like a complete work to me. Um, it sounds all like everything was all the length of the tracks were intentional. And like I said, it's, it's part of what I really like about it. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Uh, it's funny though, with that book kind of bring it full circle. Um, well, hold on. I'll, I'll set it up like this. I've been, I've been struggling with this idea of like, you make I make music for a couple reasons. Obviously, I just it's my favorite thing to do. It's my life, and it's it's very fulfilling. But releasing music, I do that because I do want people to listen to it. Mm -hmm. And it's just really hard to just in the attention economy. There's so much stuff out there. Yes. Um. So like I, I feel like I my my artist brain starts to atrophy a bit, and I start to think more of like, well, maybe I should just try, like focus on like cool minute long things for Instagram size stuff. And mm -hmm. I was mixing a song or mixing a track the other day that has a lot of field recording in it. And I kept trying to shorten it and the shorter it got, the the less I liked it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, but it can't be 20 minutes long. And then reading this, how to do nothing book and everything, it kind of reminded me, I'm like, no, it's, it's going to be as long as I feel like it should be because it's mm -hmm. my self-expression. And now I'm kind of like, I feel like I want to, um, rage against this idea of bite size single serving yes you know so like a hundred percent i mean that's like i i'm very hypocritical because i am now pretty active on instagram but like i i am often thinking like well shoot am i making this for the music or am i making this to make another stupid instagram video <laughs> and i mean and I, I hope like my music doesn't shorten because you know you're trying to make a gesture or a phrase that's going to be musically meaningful so it fits in that one minute video um yeah i have i mean like many people it's a love-hate thing where i i started this account just as a way to hold myself accountable and also you know locked down thinking like well i don't know i'll just add my voice to the um you know algorithm of that was already pretty full of of <laughs> modular synth stuff um and I've met so many cool people through it. Like, I would have never met Patrick or n even known what Modular on the Mall was. Right. right. And yet, I, I also, like, I, I am not active on any other platforms. I, like, I have a personal Instagram account that I haven't posted to in, like, probably six months. Like, it's just not something <laughs> I want to be spending my time on. But, yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough. I Yeah. And, I, you know, I've, I, I have a very strange relationship or... Yeah, just a love hate with with Instagram in particular. That's like the only one I use as well. And but like I book a lot of my guests. Right, right. Uh, that's how we got. That's right, how exactly. I found out about you. That's how I got. You know, exactly. This up. Um, but I I think something that just popped into my head when you were saying like, am I making this for me or just for another stupid video? Like, 
it kind of it could it could be like uh just a, a journal a sonic journal or exactly a, or something like that you know like and that's how I treat it. Like I'm working from, on another release right now and I will go back to my account and like scroll through and be like, okay, right. On January 7th, I posted this video of this element and I, I like, I save every Ableton set. I date everything and like I mm -hmm. have access to that material. I can pull up and play with it more. Yeah. That's so awesome. yeah. I mean, that's what it is, but like it is kind of voyeuristic to, <laughs> to make <laughs> that journal available to the public. Uh -huh. But that, that, I mean, that's okay. Whatever. It's the. I mean, it's. It's the world we live in. Yeah, yeah. It's it's at this point weirder if you don't. Not that weird is bad or means anything, but you know, it's just like, you're you're living in the world that you live in. You're participating exactly. in the world you live in. Um. So I think we all need to give ourselves a little break on that. Um, yeah, and you know, music doesn't exist in a or shouldn't exist in a vacuum. It's a communal art form, or mm -hmm. largely and. Um, I think at the end of the day, I'd be lying if I said I didn't want other people to listen to my music and, and Absolutely, like yeah. and like it, and that that's okay. Mm -hmm. Totally, yeah. yes. Um, do you are you familiar with uh, the Patch Challenge segment of the show? Of your show? Uh -huh. No. Uh -huh. Okay. <laughs> so what I do is I give the guest. Uh, a random adjective noun pairing that okay. is based off of a random word generator. Okay. And then if you're up to it, you create a patch based off of that. Not not in real time. Okay. When we're done when we're done <laughs> talking, you can go do it. You can record it and send it to me in your own sure, time. Sure. Sure. Your game. I'm I'm I love this kind of stuff. Okay, cool. Uh let's see. Okay, so this uh, this word generator is clunky, so we might have to do it a few times for yeah, it that's to fine. mean anything. Yeah, that doesn't mean anything. Whoa. St stomatoplasty soiling? Oh, that, that just sounds gross. like that sounds like pooping. <laughs> yeah, oh. I don't like that one. No, no, I don't want to do that one. This is weird. Oh, but you just got soiling again. I don't know why soiling is coming up. <laughs> <laughs> like forthcoming operation. That doesn't sound like fun either. No. Open air beginning. That sounds kind of cool. That sounds good. Oh, so open air, one word, beginning. Yeah. Okay. Let me. I'm gonna write this down. Okay. Got it. Open air, beginning. Awesome. Okay. Um. How long? Cool. Three <laughs> to five minutes long. Three to five sounds Unless good. Unless you make something that you feel like, like we were just talking about, this needs to be nine minutes long, then that's mm -hmm. fine too. But don't feel like you have to make something like that. Um, okay. Well, Heather, thank you so much for your time. Is there thank anything you. you would like to shout from the modular mountaintops before we, we finish today? Um, just that I'm really grateful to have found my way into this community and I'm so excited to hear what other people are doing and to see where this journey goes. Right on. Well, thanks again. Thank you. All right, let's check out Open Air Beginning by Heather Steppens.
All right, that's our show. Thank you so much, Heather, for coming on. Please go check out all the Heather Stebbins-related links in the show description. Amazing music. Uh, great follow on Instagram. A lot of really cool patches. Um, what else? Thank you to Patchworks, our lovely synth shop here in the Northwest. Visit them at patchworks.com, P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S.com. Also, thank you to Afterlater Audio for your continued support of Podular Modcast. And thank you to everybody who supports me on Patreon. If you would like to head over there and help to keep the LEDs blinking here at PodMod, head to patreon.com forward slash Podular Modcast. Um, yeah, just thank you so much for coming to this show. And uh, if you're new to it, welcome. If you've been here since the beginning, that's crazy to me because uh, we're five episodes away from 200 episodes uh, over two, over four years, excuse me, over four years of doing this. And I was just thinking to myself today, as I'm editing this episode, that I still really like doing this. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm just stoked that I still have so much fun after this long and, uh, and that, you know, the worry of will there be enough people to talk to at the beginning? So many people asked me that. Um, that's not a worry at all. It has not been an issue. Uh, I can't talk to everybody. Uh, I, the, the list of people I want to talk to still remains rather lengthy. Um, but speaking of podcasts, I am starting a new one and I need theme music it's called all detours are welcome it's going to be just conversational with me and my friend Devin. and uh we're i think we're funny i think we have a good dynamic and if you like movies and you like funny people then i think you will like that uh that podcast this new podcast but we need theme music and i want you to make it so please please make us some theme music for our podcast and i don't really have any guidelines just i want a wave file or an aiff file I would keep it under a minute and a half long. Um, yeah, and other than that, the world is your oyster, as they say. Or Bob's your uncle. I think that's a thing that um, they say over there in the United Kingdom. Um, big thanks to Tiny Crush Mixing. If you need your album mixed, you should probably head over to Hugo's website and check that out because, uh, I don't know. I, I like mixing, but it's still very, very, like... Um, it can be tedious and I think, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm considering not mixing my albums anymore because I feel like if you created the music, it's, it's nice to have a fresh set of ears, um, and a fresh set of trained ears on them. Cause if you're going to put music out into the world, you want it to be as good as possible. Right? So yeah, I would go check out tiny crush if I were you. And once again, a new, new record coming out on vinyl from mystery, mystery circles podular modcast and friends uh pre-order starts april 1st i'm so so excited for this um yeah yeah that's all that's all i'll say about it and then um my my most recent release is available on selfcenterrecords.bandcamp.com and there are some paintings left i've been having a hell of a fun time painting and i would love it if you uh if you picked one up for your studio it'd make great studio art um and sorry i've fallen off the whole uh very last word of the episode for you to put on instagram to show that you've listened to the whole episode so here it is Here's the, the word. Um, I'm looking around my studio for a word. Uh, peepers. Peepers. P-E-E. P-E-E. P-E-R-S. <laughs> uh, that's just the name of a graphic novel. That's on my shelf. Peepers. That's the secret word. Thanks for listening.